Grace be unto you, peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today is taken from this gospel lesson, and it is, of course, these words of Jesus to sum it all up. Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Here ends our text. It is a great controversy today, at least uh, it has been and probably will be again, about the role that guns should play within our society. It is without dispute that there are things that guns can do that are terrible and bad. They kill people. They can be used to rob and steal. They can become things that would even be used to commit murder against large numbers of people as we have seen in these various terrorist actions. And then there's the other side of that coin, which is that there are guns which are actually being used for good purposes, whether it be the defense of people from other people who would have weapons that might harm them. Perhaps, as the history of our country goes, there have been a great number of people that have been fed upon the wildlife in this world today because of the fact that they were able to use guns to help support their bodies in life and feed their children. Guns are things that are used for the defense of our country, like by our soldiers and by our policemen. So there are both good and bad ways in which guns can be used. And it is, of course, always a difficulty to know how to be able to control and to regulate so that the bad things don't happen and to be able to give freedom so that the good things happen. This is also true of God's law. God has given to us his commandments. We put them in the Ten Commandments, but even in the Old Testament, all these laws which God gave to his people were intended for good purposes, whether it would be to constrain sin and evil or to teach us those things which are the right things that we should do to live our lives both in honor of God and to his praise and also for the well-being of our neighbor. There is a good use to the law, but there is also a bad use to the law as we see so clearly in our text. This purpose of the law has to be understood if we're going to see what is good about the law. In Luke chapter 5, verse 31, Jesus tells us one of the purposes of the law. He says that the sick have the sick are the ones who are in need of a doctor. His exact words were, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The law is this thing which by its demands and by the way in which we cannot do what the law commands. We're, of course, speaking about the Ten Commandments, how it is that we are to love God above all things, how it is that we are to love our neighbor and serve our neighbor's needs. As we fall short, we come to realize that there's this thing in us called sin. And this sin is something that leads to death. And what do people do when they realize they have a sickness that leads them to death? 
they go and they seek a physician. Jesus came for the purpose of using the law to show us not only what God's will is, but also to show us how badly we need to be able to have a Savior and to find that Savior in Christ. There's a second purpose of the law that was revealed in chapter 6, verse 1. It's about the Sabbath. The law, which if we look at the third commandment, remember it, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean, Luther said? We should fear and love God that we may not despise preaching in his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. The Jews had a law about the Sabbath. They were not to work on the Sabbath. And there are reasons for why it is that God prohibited work, because he knew that they would be working seven days a week if they had that choice. And not only was it bad for them working seven days a week, but always thinking that you're going to get just a little bit more ahead by that seventh day, you rob God of the time that you need to spend with him, of the time that you need to listen to his word, of the time that you need to be able to worship him and enter into his presence and obtain the most precious gift that God has to give. The gift of the forgiveness of sins, a cleansing of the conscience, a rest and a renewal of the soul, which is so essential to our well-being, but also essential to what it is that we owe to God for all that he has been and is for us. And the law was there to impress upon the people the importance of that Sabbath day observance. As we can see, that's a tough one even for us to believe that God would actually, by his law, demand that we worship him, not just with our bodies, not just by appearing one day out of the week, but by reverencing even every day the word of God, which only then makes that day of worship into something which is even more special. God's law commands it. And we find sometimes that that Sabbath day demand of God is not always something that sits so nice with us and with our schedules. The law, of course, can be abused, and we see this so clearly in this text that is before us today. Jesus was trying to impress upon the Pharisees that the law is there not just to make us all suffer, but the law is there to teach us when it is that we should engage in self-denial and when it is that we should be engaged in feasting and merriment and joy. The law was not something that was just there to spoil us and our happiness in life, but it was there to tell us the difference between times when we should practice austerity and self-denial and when it is that we can rejoice before God. And he said, to those Pharisees, he said, in a clear example, he said, when there is a wedding, he said, everybody fasts while the bridegroom has not yet appeared. But when the bridegroom comes, everybody feasts. When we confuse the law, we forget when it is that we should be feasting and when it is that we should be fasting. We forget when it is that we should be 
in self-denial and when it is that we should be receiving God's gifts and enjoying those gifts. That's the abuse of law. There was another kind of abuse that Jesus is addressing also in this section of the Holy Scriptures. His disciples had been walking through the fields and as they were walking through the fields on the Sabbath day, you were allowed to kind of walk a certain distance, not too far, but you were allowed to walk from one place to the other. They reached out and they were grabbing the kernels of grain that were there in the fields and they were rubbing them with their hands and then they were eating those little grains of wheat. Now, actually, according to the Old Testament law, that was permitted. It was understood that people got hungry as they were going from one place to another. This was something they could do without violating God's commandments. But strangely, the Pharisees were condemning Jesus' disciples for doing this. Why? Because they had overly interpreted that law. That is to say, they made it even stricter than what God had done, and they did so in order to be able to make people feel guilty when they didn't have to feel guilt at all. The Pharisees abused the law by adding on all kinds of other things that God himself never asked for or demanded from them. We abuse the law, or the law is abused, when we turn into guilt those things which God has not forbidden. It is, of course, an abuse that ultimately leads to the alienation of the soul from God. There is another way in which the law can be abused. In Luke chapter 6, verse 3, Jesus gives an illustration about David, King David, and his companions. Prior to the time that he became king, David was fleeing from King Saul, if you recall that story about how Saul was trying to kill David. And David and his men were fleeing from him. And he came to the tabernacle, that tabernacle in the wilderness that they had set up as their place of worship. And there was some sacred bread that was only, could only be touched by priests and which no one was allowed to eat. And Jesus said, when David entered into that tabernacle, he ate that bread. Why? He ate the bread because he was trying to save life rather than destroy it. And where there is a saving of life, when the law is there to protect life and defend life, and when, however, the law is transcended, that's when it is that these Pharisees got upset. upset. They saw the law as an end unto itself. We always say that rules were made for man not man for rules. The Sabbath was made to serve us, to help us. It was not made to become an end unto itself. And that's where we begin to see what the Pharisees were really after. The abuse of a law becomes the greatest when we use the law as a way to establish our perfection or our so-called betterness in comparison to other people a way of being able to make us superior to others. Yeah. The law, of course, reveals our own sin, but there are those who more outwardly and overtly break God's law, right? There are those who don't do what it is that God commands, and the Pharisees love this because not only did they make up a whole bunch of extra laws, 
But they sat around and they started judging people and condemning people when they did not live as righteously as they were living. God's law was not given for the purpose of making us superior to other people. God's law was given for the purpose of making us equal to all people, equally condemned, but always for a purpose, so that we might also come to find our equality in the gospel and of our equality in God's forgiveness. The right use of the law, therefore, is very clear for us. Christ always has to be, if we are going to use the law, Christ always has to be the end goal of the law. Let's listen to some of these passages. When Jesus said that he came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance, remember this in Hebrews 10, the law the writer writes, is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. He was speaking, of course, of all this Old Testament law, these commands of God. He says they're like a shadow. If you see somebody coming around the corner and the first thing that you see is a shadow, you know that the important thing is not the shadow. The important thing is the one who is creating the shadow. All the Old Testament law was intended to lead us to Christ to see and understand in those commands about atoning blood, in those commands to worship before God. Everything was intended to lead us to the point that we saw the person rather than the shadow itself. It was always to lead us back to Christ and what he has done for us. And what is that he has done for us? Romans 10, Paul writes, Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Christ is the end of the law. Meaning that here are all these laws which God has commanded us to do and which are still there commanding those Decalogue, those Ten Commandments. They're not just ten suggestions. They're God's law. We are required to love God alone. We are required to keep God's name sacred and holy, all the teachings and the doctrines to keep it holy and sacred. We're required to worship him with our whole heart and our mind. But what happens is that law which we then come to see we cannot fulfill. We come to realize as we look at Christ that he fulfilled that law for us and in our place. Therefore, Christ is the end of the law. He is the one who actually now fulfills that law for us. And the law teaches us what Christ did. And when we see what Christ has done, and we put our faith in what it is that he has done for us, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, to believe that as his death for us and in our place, then God declares us to be righteous and it is a righteousness that makes us perfect in the sight of God. So this which makes us imperfect only leads us to understand the perfection that Christ has gained for us. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 2, we know that a person 
is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. That word justified is kind of like a legal term, like going before a judge. And if a judge were to look at your life and say, now based upon the law, how do you stand? You'd say, I stand condemned. And then there's one that steps up and says, I will take the punishment for this one. And it is Christ. And we come to see that God then justifies and declares us to be righteous when our faith is put in Christ as the one who lived and died for us. This does something to us that's different than those who live under the law by itself. This lifts us up and now all of a sudden, instead of doing the law because we have to or God's going to punish us, we now do the law because we love. I would bet you that you mothers don't change those diapers merely because you have to. Only fathers do. I bet you change diapers because you love the child. That is a very different thing. We want to do the law now out of love, and that love does something which is rather interesting. It teaches us to know when it's time to fast and when it's time to feast. It teaches us to know when it's time to be mournful and when it is that it's time for us to be joyful. And that love not only teaches us that, but it also gives us the freedom to be able to enjoy the creation that God has given to us. You see, the law by itself turns us into legalists and we're always feeling guilty when we shouldn't feel guilty and we're always not feeling guilty when we should. But when love comes, love can receive the gifts of God, the things that God wants us to have, and receive them with joy and with happiness. We also know that love is something that, interestingly enough, transcends the law. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? That story about the man who went down on his way to Jericho and he was fallen upon by robbers and the robbers beat him and stripped him and took his clothing and left him naked and dying. And along comes a priest and another a Levite, that singer, he's a choir member in the temple. They were on their way for their duties and they looked down upon this individual who they knew that according to the law, if they touched them, they would be defiled and they couldn't go and do their job in the temple and worship God. And they pass on by. But a Samaritan comes. He was the enemy of the man. And he picks him up and he bathes him and washes his wounds and brings him to the inn and puts him up there and even gives the money for his care and his keeping. Love transcends the law and it goes beyond what it is that the law restrains us in doing so that we can know rightly what the will of God really is. And this is what Jesus means when he says that the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. 
when you know Christ and you know his love, his love lifts you higher so that you can know how to properly interpret and apply God's will in your lives. And of course, the last thing of all that's so wonderful is that when the law is properly used to lead us to Christ and we come to see that grace of God that he has given to us, it changes out of love the way in which we look at our neighbor. Unlike the Pharisees who just could sit there and get angry at Jesus for healing a man on the Sabbath as though somehow they were so much better than Jesus was, we have the opportunity to be able to look at our neighbor not in a spirit of judgment, not in a spirit of condemnation, not even towards our neighbor who might be our enemy, but we can look at them with love because we know that in the same way that God has forgiven us for our sins, that we can also forgive those around us who may not even be worthy as far as we might even think of the forgiveness of sins that we give to them. It isn't always easy to change people's behavior when we forgive them, but it's a wonderful, gracious thing for us to be able to forgive in our hearts those who have done evil against us because of all the great and wonderful forgiveness which God has given to us. So let us be mindful in the same way in which we have to be wise about the way in which we use guns for good and not for harm. We also have to be wise about the way in which we use the law in our life, but we must use it for our good, but it must always lead us to Christ and to the gospel. And this is one of the great gifts. We're going to be talking a lot about the Reformation that took place 500 years ago that we're marking, 1517, with what happened in the city of Wittenberg with Martin Luther. But one of the great gifts that Luther gave to us is that he showed us the difference between the law and the gospel. And in doing so, in dividing between the law and the gospel, he not only gave to us an understanding of this wonderful grace of God that forgives us for all our sins and so richly and freely saves us, not because of our own works and deeds, but he also gave to us something called love, which enabled us to be able to embrace and love the law which God has given us. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. Guard and keep your thoughts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.